Hello and happy Tuesday, all you professional wrestling fans. This is Stunny Sean, and along with David Smart Mark, and yes, this is Radio Free Professional Wrestling. And I hope you have recovered from your wrestling weekend because, David, I'm wrestling out. I'm ready to tap out here. How about you? Yeah, very, very similar. It's, um, I think I messaged you about halfway through all this and said, good show, but I'm tired. Well, David, we're going to talk about all it later on in the show. We'll run down what happened. But I want to start the show off by paying tribute to the Terry Funk and Bray White as both gentlemen passed away this past week. Terry Funk passed away early in the week at age 79. He's been battling health issues for most of this year, so his passing didn't come as a shock to me. Now, Bray Wyatt passed away on Thursday. I was at work, David, and I got the notification on my phone from Bleacher Report that he passed away at age 36, and it just shocked me. I went, oh my freaking word. Bray Wyatt has four little kids, and that really broke my heart, because me personally, I never knew my dad. My biological father passed away when I was a baby. I can't even imagine that being that young and losing your father i'm like my heart goes out to everybody's family there that's it yeah really what do you say that hasn't already been said um i woke up to and i looked at my phone i was like no not 36 hours after terry no that can't be and then of course as you look further down your notification feeds and i was like oh my god i just don't believe that i was a huge bray white player I, I actually liked the character what some people seem to have forgotten with the fact of this horrible thread is that a lot of people were very critical of him, shall we say, as a wrestler. That wasn't his fault. He just did as the company told him. And um, you look back at Future Randy Orton and Seth Rollins that, that spring to mind, that he made the best of a bad job with, with his characters. And people, people all of a sudden were, uh, who, who weren't and the greatest fan of him, were sort of like all of a sudden the greatest fan of him. Um, I was. Uh, when he, I loved it when he did the spider. Absolutely. What, what a unique move that was, doing the spider and crossing in the ring. Just a horrible week in practical wrestling. Unfortunately, we had something at the weekend that brought us out of it. Too many memories of Terry Funk. I'm not even going to bore everyone with that just at that. Utter legend. Utter legend of death. If anyone did deathmatch wrestling right, it was Terry Funk. Because he actually, it wasn't. Spot after spot after spot, he made it mean something. And that, for me, is, is where Deathmatch Wrestling goes on, uh, goes wrong. And it's something that I'll come on to later on in the show. David, I've been a fan of Will, William Rotana since he debuted in the WWE. If you remember back, he debuted on the main roster with the Nexus. He was Hussey Harrison. And that faction made such an impact of like eight rookies. And he was one of them. And they beat the heck out of John Cena and a lot of the main stars there. And the Nexus was one of those things where I thought the WWE kind of dropped the ball too soon with it. They brought Bray Wyatt back down to FCW, repackaged him as Bray Wyatt. And the character was always interesting. It was like this horror movie coming to life thing. And it kind of drew me into William Rotunda and the fact that he's second generation and he's the son of IRS, Mike Rotunda. Of course, I'm going to be a fan of him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just thought it was a unique talent. He, you know, um, you call right down the LXT days, he was a talent on LXT, and then all of a sudden he turns up as almost spooky, hills of eyes character. Um, really, really wrong turn S almost, if you like. And I just loved him. I just really, really, really loved him. I I thought he was poorly treated with his booking. Um, some of these talent was there. So for seven weeks, Sean. He was at the top of the mountain. People forget that. True, David. He was a WWE Universal Champion. He was like a two-time WWE World Champion, which a lot of people kind of forget. Yeah. Now, moving on to Terry Funk. My first re- memories of Terry Funk was back in Smoky Mountain Wrestling when he got brought in by, like, Cornette to solve Cornette's Bullet Bob Armstrong problem because Bullet Bob was a commissioner of Smoky Mountain Wrestling, always the foreign side of Jim Cornette, so he brings in Terry Funk. And that's how I got introduced to Terry Funk from out from West Texas, this roughneck cowboy character. And Bullet Bob and him had an epic feud. Oh, brilliant. That's a great choice. My first real, real knowledge of him, and obviously he was well into his career at this, was the Foley stuff in Japan. 
when, you know, Foley talks about it in his first book where he was still burning when he was on the aircraft home to America from where Terry had used the branded nylon. And um, I, I couldn't quite comprehend that. Um, but it was something like calling, you mentioned Cornette bringing him in. Cornette always talks about him and talked about him family in his tribute to him of saying he was always, even though he was behind the curtain with him, genuinely scared of him because he didn't know what he was going to pull next. I know. I remember listening to Cornette talk about um, Terry Funk. And one story I remember from that episode of Cornette's podcast was Cornette was starting out as a photographer and they would use him in spots where Terry would chase him around a ring and he didn't know for sure if Terry was playing or as it being real. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, he tells us. And also the fact that Terry ripped his pants off when they were on tour, they were going from, you know, like they did in the territories, they'd gone from venue to venue to venue. And in chasing him, Funk ripped his pants off, and he'd only got the one pair of pants for the tour. And um, he, had to, he had to gaffer tape or black bodge tape, I don't know what you Americans call it, pardon the expression, but he had to badge tape his trousers together. Yeah, it was kind of a funny story. Um, another person who passed away over the weekend that had a connection to Professor Rossett was one Bob Barker. He used to be the host of The Price is Right here in the United States. Yep. He had a memorable segment on Monday Night Raw during the era where they had the guest host of the week, and he had a great interaction with Chris Jericho. It's priceless. I'm going to link that in our show notes. This Chris and him comedic timely, and if you haven't seen Happy Gilmore, one of the best fight scenes in a comedy ever is Bob Barker beating up Adam Sandler in Happy Gilmore. I mean, I always remember Terry, obviously one of Terry's more famous cinematic roles, although he did quite a few. It's quite, it's quite, it's amazing to look back now and see how many he did. But obviously he was a bad, he was a, a bad guy heavy in Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. Exactly. Terry had a, some cameos in a lot of movies during the 80s, which was kind of cool. We here at Radio Free Professor Wrestling want to pass along our condolences to the families of Wendham Rotunda, Terry Funk, and Bob Parker. We are going to do our best to honor their memories by giving you a awesome show today. With that being said, David, let's go over to the Control Center to catch you up on a crazy weekend professional wrestling. This is your Radio Free Pro Wrestling Control Center. All the wrestling news you need to know. And I want to start with this, some happenings around the world of wrestling outside of All In. David, we have a new NWA World Champion as EC3 defeated Tyrus in a bull rope match. And if Tyrus lost his match, he had to retire for the NWA. So now we have a new NWA World Champion. And we also saw the end of the 800-day-plus rank of Camille as the NWA Women's World Champion. This happened at NWA 75 in St. Louis, Missouri. Over the weekend, David, do you have any thoughts about either of these title changes? Yeah, I do, mate. Um, I think the, the choice of EC3 is a very good one for the NW. I really, really do. He can talk, he's got character, and he's got the physique, and he's got, he can wrestle. Um, I don't believe for one minute, obviously, Taurus is retiring. Um, not so sure about the Camille change. I like Camille. Um, and she's a very, very good ladies champion. She is feminine, but she's muscular. She can work. Um, we were talking off air before, before the show. Um, will this, is this lady uh, that's won the title, is she a little bit green? Is she going to be able to carry the belt in the way that the NWA title should be carried, irrelevant of where they're at at the moment? Well, David, I feel like Kenzie Page is a interesting choice as your new NWA Women's World Champion and being the person to defeat Camille after 800 plus days. She's one third of the group Pretty Imperable. They are also your NWA Women World Tag Team Champions at the moment. I feel like they're going down this road where they're trying to build up this hill faction in the NWA with these three ladies. Only time will tell if this is a good choice or maybe not a good choice. We'll keep an eye on it. It um, EC3 being the NWA World Champion is, is wanting me to go back and watch Power now. I haven't watched Power for a couple months, but I may check out this episode coming up to see what EC3 has in store. Because Another thing that happened at NWA 75 was the fact that Tom Lattimore defended his NWA TV title for the seventh time. So now he's able to cash that in for a title shot against EC3. Yeah, I'd watch that. That would be a good main event. I would watch it too, David. 
Now, one of our favorites had a very busy week in at London this past week. As before we saw Will Ospreay versus Chris Jericho at All In, there was Red Pro 11th year anniversary show where Will Ospreay defeated Shango Kandagi in a semi-main event, which was a great card. If you haven't seen Red Pro 11th year anniversary, I highly recommend you spend $10 American check it out. Another result we saw from the 11th year anniversary of Red Pro Wrestling was your favorite tag team, Subculture retained their Red Pro Undisputed British Tag Team Championship against a team of Jude London and Paris D. Cell. Tori Ishii defeat Luke Jacobs, one of my personal favorites from Progress, in a hard-hitting match. And yes, it's so hard for me to say Luke Jacobs lost a match. Right, let, let me just clarify. Poor old Sean on the ball. It's early in the morning for him. Bless him, so, so go easy on him. Um, yeah, really good card, as you'd expect with Red Pro. What more impressed me about anything else um, and the Jericho, the Jericho bit with Osprey right at the end was very well done, to be fair. Bit predictable, but well done. Well executed, let's get that right. They filled the O2 Copper. Now, that doesn't mean much to anyone at the side, but this is a British indie getting 4,000 people in a small indoor arena adjacent to the bigger O2 arena on the Thames in London. The O2 arena holds about 21, and it's where the WWE had recently held money in the bank to give you some um you know some uh geography on it and the copper box is literally a small arena adjacent literally adjacent in the same building to that um to that big arena normally it holds british basketball little concerts or medium-sized concerts such like so for red pro to get four thousand people in there all right it was a big wrestling weekend it's been our WrestleMania weekend this weekend because um, there's something else I'll go on to touch up upon when we talk all in. Everyone down in London and in the Wembley area has really cashed in on Tony bringing AEW to um, the UK. Make no mistakes, there are many stories. But going back to Ref Pro, great, great show. Yeah, Sean's absolutely bang on. Watch the show. Um, I love subculture, absolutely do. I feel more the fact that they're holding their own as the Impact World um, Even You know, whatever you think of Impact, Impact has some talent at the moment and they're taking some risks in who they put the titles on. And subculture are now becoming belt collect. They're almost like becoming the FTR, the UK's version of FTR. Well, before we leave this Red Pro um, card, the Undisputed British Heavyweight Championship match was something else you need to check out. It's Michael Hoku versus Trent Seven at Hill Trent Seven. And it had probably the craziest spot I've seen this weekend. As Amira, the um, valet for Michael Oku, took a Paul driver through a table from Trent Seven. And I was like, oh my freaking word, this lady's super cool. It's interesting you say about Hill Trent Seven. You're a big progress fan. Um, him, Pete Dunn, or Pete, as you know, was, you know, I'm not even going to insult him by calling him his stupid WWE name. But you look at him. Tyler Bates and Pete Dunn's work in in progress as heels. They're brilliant, brilliant, brilliant heels. You can't imagine Tyler Bates as a heel, but he pulls it off really, really well. He does do it so well. And I mean, like, it's like 180 degrees. I mean, we saw it towards the end of NCUK where they were going towards the view between Mustafa Mountain and Trent Seven was playing this flightless heel character right before they had that main event on the final episode of NXT UK, and he's just continued being a heel as he travels around the world. Yeah, no, he, he Trent, Trent Seven, the only thing he lacked is the physique, but he's he, he's got a, he can go, he's got the cardio, and also, obviously, the Birmingham accent, the broad Birmingham accent, sometimes on promos, never does him any favour when you're looking at worldwide. Um, I mean, look at, look at one of the things coming off all in with us having the absolute Mickey Tetton out of him for using bruv a lot, as in brother, as in, you know, but not obviously wanting to go, go down the Hogan or it's the Barber Beefcake route, but, you know, but bruv is, is a common used slang term over here in the UK. And, you know, I noticed there's a lot of people ripping him for that. And that's just how he speaks. He's from Essie. Exactly, David. I mean, like, it's, I don't take any offense to it. I feel like bruv is pretty... I kind of get used to it. I feel like, oh, hey, it's Will Ospreay. It's, why he, it's his catchphrase. Yeah, I mean, it's a, and I think 
Well, and I know we're going to come on to it, and I know I'm jumping the gun. Um, I think that that performance on Saturday shows he is going to be the most in-demand professional wrestler in the world within the next two years if he doesn't injure himself again. Well, let's go on to our final little bit of wrap-up here from this last weekend of professional wrestling as I want to look at Impact Wrestling's Immersive card, which was literally last night after the All-In show. And unfortunately for you, David, Subcoaster did lose one set of tag team title belts as a new Impact World Tag Team Championships hardly wrestles as they defeat Subcoaster. Well, reasonably predictable. Um, and the Rascals are a good choice. They've, you know, they've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and they are they are entertaining. They are indeed. And and to be honest, a few going forward with Subcoaster and the Rascals, yeah, I've got no issue with that. Me either. I feel like it would be a highly entertaining few there. And we did see Dion Parasso tap out to Trinity in their second matchup for the Impact Women's World title. So it's going to be interesting to see where Trinity goes next in her course during Impact Wrestling. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that one. And our final news story about Impact Wrestling is Will Ospreay will be bound for glory as he's been confirmed to be going to that show in New York here later in October. Well... I'll tell you what, to be fair, it's traditionally Impact's biggest show of the year. Osprey's going to put bums on seats. He's going to, I mean, I'd, I'd buy I'd buy, I'd buy that pay-per-view just to see what they do with Osprey because I'm an Osprey fan, um, like everyone else should be in the world. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's clever marketing by Impact. You can't knock them. Um, they're going to, yeah, they're going to, they're going to get a few extra bums on seats and some pay-per-view buys just, Simply by having Will on the card. Exactly, David. I feel like everybody's hitting the iron wise hot as Will Ospreay did exactly what he said he was going to do. He's literally defeated Kenny Omega, Izuka Okada, and Chris Jericho inside of two months. This gentleman is the best professional wrestler male for 2023, and we literally still have five months of the year to go. Yeah, 100%. You know, Mike, you're not going to dissuade me from that. You know, I've always been a fan. I was messaging you last night. All sorts of assets flagging the crowd, and you spotted it. Um, love him. I just love him. And last night, you know, I didn't change. Change a thing for me. Well, let's slide over to the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we're going to talk about what we thought was the best, the okay, and maybe the worst from Esla AEW card. And now it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly in the week that was professional wrestling. David, where do you want to start? You want to start with the good, the bad, or the ugly? Sean, I do not mind. I'm just happy to see you. Well, let's start with something that happened between the Zero Hour and the first match <laughs> on the card. If you didn't watch Zero Hour, go back and watch the last match of Zero Hour. It's Jack Perry versus Hook. It's a good match. I enjoyed it for what it was. I did. Near the end of the match, they're fighting on top of the limo that brought Jack Perry out. Hey, you know what? That's an elevation of Jack Perry's character. He's Hollywood. He comes out in a limo. Everybody's moving out of the villain. Yay. Okay, cool. He gets on top of this, taps the windshield of the limo, and looks at the camera and goes like, this is real glass. Cry me a river. And David, I knew exactly what he meant. And I went, oh no, here we go. Yeah. I think that last statement really sums it up. And I actually watched the presser, and I felt sorry for Tony Khan. First time ever, I felt sorry for Tony Khan. It's just like, you can't catch a break with these. And I'm I'm the biggest punk fan in the world. No one, you know, but I'm now like, Tony, you're going to have a decision to make. Because whether it was his fault or not, you know, whether Jack Perry, there's two versions going around. The one that Jack Perry approached punk and got in his face, or one that they exchange words and Punk threw a punch at him. Apparently, the general acceptance is that Punk got him in a front face lock um, and came out of it stronger. But Tony doesn't need that. And it comes back, at the end of the day, one, one individual is involved every single time in this stuff. Rightly or wrongly, and what do you do? David, I was thinking about this Sunday night as I was watching that press from after All In. And me and Ashley recorded our episode of the Double Clothesline podcast. And I'm thinking, you got to suspend both gentlemen at least 90 days without pay. And I would dock their freaking pay. And oh, by the way, that payday from All In, uh, bye-bye. Yeah, 
Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think they're both. As I think from what I've read, and I'll I'll wait and be corrected because it will come out like it always does. The way I'm reading it at the moment is probably seventy-five twenty-five fault in the part of Jack Perry. The way I'm reading it from what I've gleaned over here from doing my research. But even so, Pen, Pen, it's just every single time. And as I say, when Tony opened opened the presser with it and said, "Look." This is what I know. You're not going to get any more until I can get back and investigate. It was fair enough. He acknowledged that it had happened rather than just sitting there and going, yeah, you know, he knew something had happened. But obviously he was probably busy in Gorilla. But again, it comes back to one man every time. And and Perry's no angel. One thing that's for sure. Perry is no angel and he knew what he was doing. Exactly. And I got a feeling that we may know a little bit more coming out of Wednesday night and Dynamite, maybe. As I saw reports where both CM Punk and Jack Perry were asked to leave Wembley Stadium. Jack Perry left first. CM Punk hung around for an hour and left after that. But it's just such a dark cloud on a excellent weekend for AEW where there should be celebrating the success of a first-time debut in London, England. Yeah, absolutely. Um... And it also puts a huge shadow over all out next weekend in, of all places, Chicago, which was obviously planned. And now we'll turn the other kahunas to pull the major Chicago wrestler out of a Chicago show. See, that's the $64 million question that we'll probably figure out maybe after Wednesday night. So check back on the weekend here. Okay, so my good, we're going to go from the ugly to the good here. I want to say... The good was the freaking crowd. I watched the Zero Hour pre-show from like 11.30 to the end of the main event. And that crowd added to that show. That crowd was freaking amazing. It made me jealous that I wasn't there. And it kind of got me thinking I need to start saving my money for 2024. All I'm going to say to you on that, Sean, is I don't disagree with one single sentiment. And I'm going to sing to you. Na, 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 na. Wheeler's got a gun, got a gun, Wheeler's got a gun. <laughs> During the book's FTR match, I was crying at that. Um, and I think, to be fair, the camera caught Wheeler trying not to laugh at it, which was, I just thought oh, that was genius. That was my chant. That was my song of the night, although there were many more, and a lot of them could not be printed. We had the F word in the show a lot last night, particularly from MJF. Well, if you want some media scrum, I would highly suggest that you don't have your chair around because let's just say if we had a swear job for the media scrum, I would have me a nice state dinner right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, uh, the crab roll was going to be like that. That was always the way. Um, they were into everything, even, um, well, they even enjoyed some of the, the, the stuff that I, I don't ever want to see again in the wrestling ring. We'll come on to that. Um, but I have to say, overall, and this obviously will help a crowd, the show was way, way better than I expected. I know, David. I know we were talking about this going into this card. Originally, when those first announced, you were planning to go down to London to see the show in person. Yep. Then, eventually, you saw what the card list was, and you decided, well, I don't want to spend my money on this because it's not exactly what I want, which is perfectly fun. Every wrestling fan has that right to vote with your money, and you decide to watch it from home. And during the show, you texted me, you already said, hey, this show is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, starting literally, um, there, there, there are many, I've got many, many questions, and hopefully they'll be answered in the next next 10 days with the, with the AEW programming. Um, the, I, I don't, other than doing the tag teams that don't get along, um, the champion scenario, I don't know where the hell the Aussie Open ROH Thing came the the, the harm I, I don't get that obviously other than it gave the crowd a good early pop and maybe did the did the did some extra buys from zero hour um but hook jack perry was way way better than i expected jericho osprey was way way better than i expected um ftr books was as expected but with the result i didn't expect and i'm grateful for it and i think that Fair play to all concerned, and I mean that. It's not to say that about the books, but it was the right result. They got out of the main event, which I didn't know how they were going to do that. Um, even with Roderick Strong's um, 
interference, um, and I think they did it very cleverly. I loved the main event. It made me smile a lot. You know, it's hard for me to pick my favorite match from the main card because all these matches were from good to great. Even the Stadium Stampede match, the match where I told Ashley, I felt like it kind of didn't hit well with an audience there. And I told her, literally, it should probably stay in the past where NBA Stadium is kind of cooler for the Stadium Stampede. But once you get fans involved and the fact that they were not showing this box, box, box where we could see all the participants of this match going at it the whole time kind of took me away from the match. Right. That's the one thing where we differed, mate. Um, I hated, absolutely despised it. Didn't want it on the card. And I'll give you an example as well. And AEW won't hear this, but this will give you an example. My wife, obviously, we, we made the arrangements. It was for zero hours started, 5, 4 p.m. UK time with the YouTube hour, and then went to 5 p.m. on fight, which I've got fight apps all around the house. She turned around to me and she said, no, really big show. You were going to go sit and watch it in the main room, in our main living room, and I'll sit and watch it with you. And I was gobsmacked because... Bev, understandably, my wife doesn't get my obsession with professional wrestling, but she doesn't disencourage it, if you know what I mean. So she sat, watched everything up to the point of the stadium stampede match, engaged, asking questions, who's that, I genuinely asking about the build to the stories and who they were, and, you know, in some cases, from buying me stuff, she knew, um, you know, oh, I've, 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 like, when Nigel McGuinness came out, oh, he's the one I've had the emails from, we got, so, which is an old Brightly story about how I was jealous because she was getting email from Nigel McGuinness because she was buying stuff. And I was extremely jealous, but another story for another day. So my wife genuinely engaged. She really, really enjoyed Hook Jack Perry because she couldn't believe that Luke Perry's son was wrestling. And that fascinated her straight away. She really enjoyed that match. Stadium Stampede starts oh they're right in the middle of the crowd from the moment they started doing stupid stuff to each other with all the weapons and the spikes she went you know what that's and i won't say the word she used but you can work it out she absolutely said that's horrible i'm not watching that why would i watch that why would i find it entertaining and the crucial one sean that's not wrestling to me got up and went to bed I remember you testing me this, and I was going like, you know, I think maybe the only thing you could hear this was a shopping trip, and like uh, maybe a card saying, I'm sorry for that match. Yeah, I know, yeah. Um, And she, to be fair to her, this morning when we got up, she asked about the rest of the card, because she knew, obviously, Will Ospreay was on, and she knew she'd seen the guys for the main event in the Zero Hour, and she'd seen that Colin, you know, Colin MJF, and I was trying to explain her the nuances, of, of the storylines and what have you. And she, she asked, she got up and she was intrigued by that. She said, oh, how did it end? You know, how our soap opera, if you will. Um, so there was a potential there for totally a non-wrestling audience to, to try and appreciate what we appreciate day in, day out. And it was blown by that stupid stadium stampede match. David, I could see exactly what you're talking about. That would be the one match if I had a non-wrestling fan watching this show whipping or a replay. I would be like, eh, let's just skip this. You don't need to see this. Let's go on to the next match. The next match is better, I promise. Absolutely. She was interested in the women's match because she actually poked her head back down. She said, it's the Norwich. Her words, it's the Norwich last out. And, and obviously, I was chuffed because the whole night, I loved that. And I've been very critical lately of AEW's women's wrestling. They got that bang on. Absolutely bang on. No one put a bad performance in. And Tony Storm was in the match. So there's a... There's, there's, there's a shout for a start. Uh, is one of the right two people going over in Soraya or Britt? I've got, I had no problem with either. And obviously, once the Knight family walked out with Soraya, you had an inkling of where this was going. And it was lovely. It was a lovely moment. You know, I'm so happy for Soraya slash Paige because I've been a fan of her since, like, NXT. And I really felt bad for yeah. her when she got injured. She couldn't compete for a number of years. And she w always was trying to get back to the point where she could wrestle. And for her to have this moment in the sun in front of 80,000 plus people and win the title in her home country, I couldn't be happier for her. She deserves it. If there's anybody on this planet that deserves this nice moment in the sun, it's Soraya. 
Yeah, I've got no issue with that. And it was lovely to see the three boys out there. Um, Ricky, uh, Ricky Roy, Baby, and... Um, oh, I can't remember. But anyway, really, and the fact that I've been physically and verbally abused by Sweet Soraya, her mum, um, gave me a sense of pride. Well, you know, I love how they use Soraya's mom in this match to finally kind of break up the outcast. Because up to that point, Tony Storm and Soraya, they were kind of working together. And you were wondering how they would finally just break this union up somehow. And unfortunately, Tony Storm got a little too cocky. Hey, let's bring Soraya's mom into this match. Uh, can you hold Britt Baker for me, please? And she punches, hopefully, Britt Baker, but she misses. And Soraya just look at her like, you just punched my mom, you beep. Yeah, genuinely, if you meet sweet Soraya Knight, for our American listeners, um, Ricky Knight is a British, a British wrestling legend. He came in, he started wrestling at the back end of the World of Sport Days, and he's still, still he's, he occasionally performs, but he's got his own company, World Association of Wrestling based out of Norwich, where most of his family performed. Soraya, when she went to AEW, has gone back and done a couple of shows for her, because obviously she puts bums on seats for him. But it's his wife. His wife always used to be known as Sweet Soraya Knight, where Paige's new name comes from. But she was Sweet Soraya Knight. She's always been a heel. And she's one of those wrestlers um, where you meet, obviously, you meet, you meet them at shows, and you meet and see them in their in-ring persona. But her in-ring persona is not far removed of how she is in real life. And I tell you what, she is a scary, genuinely scary woman. Um, brilliant, absolutely fantastic. And I can hear her voice over the mic, over the the the, um, the ring mic that's underneath the the canvas, and some of the the fruitiness that shall we say came out of her mouth. Um, was like, yeah, you're in full character now, Soraya. Brilliant. I loved it. And it's not been a long while since I've said that about um, an AEW ladies match. And with Jamie Hayter to come back, that's going to be brilliant. Well, let's leave the good, the bad, and the ugly here because I got six stunning questions about AEW all in to ask you. It's time for the stunning six question. All the whys and what have they done now? Hopefully, David and Sean can make sense of it. Stunning question number one. We saw Mercedes Monet in the crowd literally three times during this pay-per-view. Do we eventually see Mercedes Monet versus Soraya at, I'm not going to say full gear, but do we get to see this match in the next six months? Yes, 100%. Um, or oh, certainly we will get to see Mercedes Monet Challenge for the ladies' title, whoever it may be. I think she possibly makes more of an appearance this weekend at All Out, shown on the cameras, gentle introduction, maybe an in-ring, maybe a walk-down, maybe, you know, just something to put the girls off. But yes, without a doubt, in six months, we we get Monet versus whoever the title holds. You know, that was a nice payday for Monet. All she had to do was come to London for about six hours, six and watch the show. Tony Khan made it clear that she wasn't clear to wrestle, but he wanted an international star there for the event, and she happily agreed. So we saw on her Instagram and Twitter that she was posting some old pictures of her in London before the show, and I got a feeling that once she gets recovered from her ankle injury, she's going to make a debut in AEW, whereas going after Will Nightingale, the revenge that lost from that New Japan Strong card, or go after that AEW Women's World title? Oh, there's both, isn't there? The way Tony books, she'll be very quickly elevated into the more contender status. Anyway, he's got the options with now having dynamite hand collision to use her on both. Um, yeah, I think it's only a matter of time. And you've got Jamie, Jamie Hayter to come back. So we're actually in for some. If she can produce the proper Sasha Banks we know, rather than some of the half-ass stuff that we know as well, um, it's a good addition to the right. It's a good addition to the ladies roster, and um, I don't blame uh, Tony. For okay, that. so my second setting question for you, David, was FTR versus Young Bucks three the best professional wrestling tag team match of the year? Because me and Ashley were debating this Sunday on the the Double Clothesline podcast, and I was saying this was one of my top five tag matches of the year. Yeah, that much. I mean, but it's nowhere close to FTR and the Bristos. I agree with that. I feel like that's still the bar that a lot of tag team matches need to clear. Yeah. It was it was good. 
Um, it was, I don't think he was even the best of the three FTR Young Bucks. But, um, it was good. It engaged me considering I'm not a Bucks fan. And what I'm really, really pleased about, it was the right result. And I liked the ending with the Bucks taking the heel route out of not shaking hands and showing respect. Like that. That was very clever. You know, during this match, they got me a few times because we saw FTR hit the shutter machine. And I'm going... Are they going to win this match with the FTR's finisher? I'm like, going, they got me. Then we saw another near pinch for the Young Bucks where I thought, this is the moment the titles are going to come over. But I was happy that FTR kept the titles. It was a great match. It's something you need to go back and watch from all in. And I'm still thinking it's one of my top five matches of the year, but it may not be my tag team title match of the year. No, it, well, it wouldn't be my match of the year. Yeah, it'd probably be in the top five. I mean, you look at the other day, I'll call it the the... the Bullet Club Gold FTR match. Um, that you know, um, there, there was just just been so much good tag team wrestling this year. But they didn't. For someone who's not a Young Bucks fan who was dreading this match, um, they delivered, and that's you know I've got to be honest there. Okay, so my third standing question for you. Let's go over to the coffin match. This was Sting, Darby Allen versus Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. And David, my question for you: Was this match better than what we thought going in? Yes, yeah, 100%. Darby's going to kill himself. He, there's lots of ways about it. He's, he's, he's almost Tommy Dreamer-esque in that he wants to die on live live television for his company. Um, and Sting, Sting, fair play to Sting for his age. He got right in the middle of it. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was about the right timing. Um, it, but yeah, it was a decent, decent match, yeah. As I say, there was only, for me, there was only one stinker, and I mean absolute stinker on the, on the card, um, which I didn't expect to be saying, talking to you, and that was the stampede match for me. You know, I think adding Christian Cage to this match was the right call. I mean, yeah. granted, I like A.R. Fox as a professional wrestler. In ring, A.R. Fox is a good wrestler, but Christian Cage is a whole different animal whatsoever. I mean, like, he is literally a heat magic. He can draw heat from anything. I love the turtleneck vest. I absolutely thought that was a piece of genius because he's wearing the turtlenecks to enhance his heel persona, but he's obviously wearing proper turtleneck, long sleeve. Then he comes out to wrestling the turtleneck um, with no sleeves. Absolute genius. He, yeah, he he made this his facials, the way he worked, really, really good. And David, leaving this match, I don't think Swerve Strickland lost anything in the loss here to Sting and Darby Allen because he was the one who finally got put into the coffin to end the match. But still, I feel like it leaves Strickland on a higher level that he's been elevated up to that main event level for AEW. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, uh, Strickland was good. This was, this was, as I say, nothing disappointed apart from that one match for me. Everyone put it in, you know, it was like the crowd, the stadium, the occasion, the, you know, the fact that it was a moment in history really, really pushed the, the guys' levels. Okay, David, we're going to leave the coffin match there. It was better than what we both expected, so hats off to all the gentlemen in that match. My next stunning question for you. At the media strum, MGF hinted at wanting to go to Stadia Atatza in Mexico City to do a live wrestling event for AEW. David, would you be interested in seeing a wrestling match from Stadia Taxa? Yeah, of course I would. Yeah, I'm, I'm not stupid. I don't. I like. I like the Mexican the way because all right, Lucha Libre and, and AAA get it wrong a lot because of the botches with their Lucha Libre. But Lucha Libre done properly is spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. And yes, I would love. I really, really thought it was MJF's best wrestling match um, that I've seen um, on Saturday. Oh, sorry, last night, Sunday night. So, yeah, to see him in a Lucha Libre environment, I'd love that. David, my first thought was, um, they were talking about this, him and uh, Tony Khan, Stadia attacks in Mexico City, six, two miles of an elevation. And I'm going, it's going to be interesting to see a wrestling card there. I mean, I know... Triple A and CMLL probably run to see him a few times. But for American company to come down there, I feel like they're going to have to come down probably like a week early, probably have a collision and dynamite from Mexico City as well. Does it let them get used to the elevation? I think some of Tony's matches, would, if, if Tony booked that, he would have to short some of his matches. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't see a lot of those matches going more than 20 minutes. I mean, pushing past 20 minutes at elevation would be crazy, I think, in my mind. Now, Grant, I'm not a professional wrestler. Let's go ahead and get out of the situation. No, 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 I agree entirely. Okay, David, we're going to our funny question. MJF versus Adam Cole for the AW World title. Was it the right decision to leave the title on MJF? Did we get the double turn that we thought we were going to get? Or are we still on the course to see Adam Cole to stab MJF in the back? Yes, to all of them, I think. Um, right decision, 100%. MJF shouldn't be losing the title yet. Look at the, that crowd response to him last night. And look at, you, you talked about the press that he was asked about it. Could you imagine having 81 third? And he, he usually, I'm still a scumbag, but it seems I'm everyone's scumbag. Um, he's fighting it hard not to enjoy it. And you could see him enjoying it. You could tell the pair of them were really, really enjoying it. Very clever to reenact the five more minutes. But he, he gives it this time, obviously, MJF is a different MJF. They teased them both turning. Neither of them turned. The only one that came out of it badly was Roderick Stroll. And eventually, despite Adam Cole potentially, you know, with his, with, with his losing and being upset and really wanting to take MJF out, didn't they still hug? The crowd went home happy. You've got something to work with now, going. You know, I gotta think they kind of caught lightning in the bottle with MJF and Adam Cole as this tag team better than you, baby. And Tony Khan's smart and holding off on this turn that we know is coming eventually. It's going to be a turn eventually down the road. But right now they are a white hot baby face tag team for some reason, and it works because you just saw eighty thousand people cheer for a kangaroo kick. In the zero error opener match, yeah, hundred percent. I, I mean, uh, the match was way, way better than I, I anticipated. The story worked well. I was smiling a lot of it when just the thumbprint Cole lost his step. You know, they were mates. They were uh, interacting. They were enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, MJF thumb, thumbs him in the eye. Cole loses the plot, and 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 it just went from there. Close finishes were were too many, but. You're going to get that. We know we're going to get that. We know we're going to get the kick out of all the finishes. Um, but it was cleverly done, and it was well done. And I didn't go away feeling robbed. Um, and it was the right decision to kick the title on MJF. And Adam Cole's lost no base whatsoever. No, I love that main event going like, bravo. That was a excellent match. It's going to appear in my list of top five matches of the year. And I just love the chair spot where they're tossing the chair backwards, forcing each other, trying to do the Eddie Guerrero spot where like, oh, you hold the chair. I'm going to fall down, let the ref disqualify you. And finally, MJ is like, okay, fine. I'm not going to put this chair back at you. I'm just going to put it around my neck and fall down. And Adam Cole's reaction to the referee going like, I didn't do that. That dude did that instead. Yeah, I chuckled at that. It was an excellent. It really was clever, funny. Um, and they are naturals together. They work really, really well together. Uh, it was one of the best, I mean, you, we saw MJF wrestle to a high level, to a high technical level. Um, it was, yeah, it was good. It really, really was good. And a worthwhile main event for that crowd. Exactly, David. Let's move on to our final stunning question. Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay. We know Ospreay had an amazing weekend in London. Does this cement Will Ospreay as one of the greatest professional wrestlers of this current generation? No, no, because there's still a lot of people haven't heard of him. They are aware of him. Um, they will, they will be. He's getting better. You know, it's getting more and more, more and more and more, and that will obviously help him. Um, he is the best wrestler pound for pound in the world this this year, and I've probably been for the last couple of years. And I include, you know, people like Kenny, um, Okada, um, and Salada in that. Um, but Osprey's head and shoulders. He, he does it night in, night out. He's, he's got Jericho to hang with him last night, and fair play to Jericho for it. The only thing I'd criticise Jericho um, for last night was don't ever sing again. Don't ever, ever sing again, because his version of that verse of Bozzy's Judas that he sang was horrible, and in the end he had to get the crowd to rescue him. Um, nice idea, poorly executed, I think. We'll go with, with that. Um, but a great match, as, as expected. Not too long. I liked it that it wasn't hugely long, and it obviously was the right result. Both companies, AEW and New Japan, 
need Will Ospreay in, as, as one of their top two. You know, I was thinking about leaving this as I was leaving this match. I was like, Jericho proved that he can still hang with Will Ospreay. That was my fear going into this match that Will could wrestle circles around Jericho. But Jericho elevated his game for this match like he usually does for a big match. And I feel like there's still enough meat on this belt where if New Japan wanted to go to Wrestle Kingdom to have this match as a rematch, you can have this if you don't want to do maybe Sonata versus Will Ospreay for the NJP World Heavyweight title, which I personally would rather see that match. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's giving you, it is giving you options. And then obviously you've got, they've got to do the third one with Kenny. So, um, you know, there's lots of options for Will out there and all of them are big money matches. He never fails to impress, um, bro. But yeah, no, it was a, it, it, it's just another part of a hugely successful night for AEW and verily cleverly marketed and in the end, very cleverly booked. I have to say that. You know, at the end of the night, they announced that we're going to redo this one year from now as on the August bank holiday in 2024. London, England, Women's Stadium, yet again, David, all in is back. Do you think they can recapture this magic and get another 80,000 people into that building? 100%. 100% they can. And I'll give you some examples why. Obviously, out money in the bank with the WWE, we have the big moment we're seeing it coming out and saying the UK deserves a WrestleMania, which is great. Got the reaction you'd expect, got the reaction you wanted. Etc. Etc. Tony's got on, and I'm not a huge Tony Khan fan by any stretch of the imagination. But by the time the WWE have even remotely got their finger out of their ass, he's done two shows at Wembley. You know, and and they'll be sellouts. This one next one will be a sellout because this one was a success. This one had been bad, and we we're all talking on Monday morning. Oh, that was crap. But there wasn't a bad match to apart from one for me, and that's my opinion. A lot of people will have enjoyed that because they get off on it. They're not wrestling fans, but, you know, they get off on it. Um, the card was, was very, very good, top to bottom. Very consistent, apart from the one match. So, next year, people are going to think, right, automatically, I'm going. And and he'll have another show in, in London, in Wembley, under his belt, by the time the WWE have even thought about booking Wembley for WrestleMania. I know, David. I feel like Tony Khan has finally beat WWE to the punch in one fact that he's willing to take a big show internationally and it just went everything went right everything was all good except for one small problem and he just needs to take care of that problem and I think he he's going to once he gets back to the states yeah 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 absolutely and that wasn't to be fair I'm a big crit critic of him and wasn't turned no I mean now just another point just another aside to this as well to reinforce that last point and I don't know whether this has got over to you very cleverly, as I said, it became our WrestleMania weekend, even though it was only the one show. You had, obviously, the Copperbot show. Very cleverly, from lunchtime on the Saturday until tea time or till early evening on the Saturday, they opened the merchandise stand once they were all stocked up on the day before, all the way around Wembley Stadium. By the time Sunday came around, they'd only got 25% of the merch that they brought over left. See, that was smart. People... Would yeah, they owned it up, and I think come Sunday that there wasn't much left. But the beauty of it was it had been bought by people attending the show anyway. They'd just gone in and got it early, so they could go to the show in their new threads, if you like. But yeah, very very clever. And I have to say, I'm not a Tony Khan fan. Whoever took that decision within the company, and these these bits of care, I saw the pricing weren't cheap. Um, the average price of a t-shirt was £30. Um, the hoodies were £70. So, you know, you can convert away into, into dollars. Um, you know, and they'd, they'd done most of them. And that's just the, the, the t-shirt. You know, obviously there's, there was all the, you know, all the other stuff, the foam fingers. They had, they have obviously foam scissors for the acclaimed. Um, very clever. Very clever. Well, David, that wraps up our stunning six questions. And we got one little bit of, housekeeping we gotta do here right now and it's gonna disappoint me myself and i as i give you a churchill cup update and david unfortunately i got defeated by greg father Faltham, and randy from Sunday night's main event i lost three to two and 
you know, I've been thinking about it for the last 24 hours as I sit here and I'm thinking about my, my de defeat and not being able to give you the Churchill Cup myself on your last show next week coming up here. But if I had to lose the Churchill Cup to these two fine gentlemen in order to see Soraya have her AEW Women's Championship match, fine, <laughs> so be it. Okay, I, I, I'll be happy. I'll admit I lost. I didn't go with my heart. I went with my head and I picked Baker to win that match. And that came back to bite me in the butt. I admit it. They did a good job. They picked some good choices in their matches. So bravo to Sunday Night's main event, Rainy and Greg. I humbly invite you to the show next week so you can present the Churchill Cup to David as we bid David a fond farewell. Guys, well done. Um, it would be nice to see. I, I, I apologize that I couldn't make the... Um, but unfortunately, I, I couldn't leave the toilet. Um, make your own jokes. It is my final show next week. It will be a sad occasion. A wistful occasion, I think. Um, it will be my final podcast with Sean. It won't be my final dealings with Sean, but it will be my final podcast, certainly for the foreseeable future. Um, I was lucky enough, and if he's listening, I, I'm lucky enough to uh, do some stuff with Blaine at the end of the week, which I thoroughly enjoyed. But it end Radio Free Pro Wrestling. Nothing will ever be Radio Free Pro Wrestling. And um, I'm going to save my goodbye speech for uh, next week. Well, ladies and gentlemen, until we join you next week on Radio Free Professional Wrestling, have a stunning week. And yes, that includes you, Greg, and Randy. And yes, that special enforcer, Brad the Dad. Yes, you too. I'm going to be humble. I'll eat my humble pie. Yeah, well done, Team Canada. Um, well done, lads. Uh, always very, very good at this. Um, it will be nice to see you say goodbye next week. But I'll leave that in my capable colleagues' hands. And I'll see you all next week, guys. Christina here. On behalf of the guys, thanks for listening. Like the show? Do us a favour and share it with a friend. Have a stunning question? Email it to the show at RadioFreeProWrestling at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been Radio Free Pro Wrestling. Stay stunningly.